0: Welcome to Local Share Green Action Podcast. This show is produced by Go Green Locally, a 501c3 nonprofit providing tools and resources for people that are looking for ways to take even more successful local action that makes a difference for our people and our planet. Today I'm speaking with the director of an organization that is seeking to connect people for shared action through local family-friendly events that help take action that ensures a livable future for all. I'm speaking with Winona Bateman, the Director of Families for a Livable Climate in Missoula, Montana. Winona has a background in communications, sees climate art and storytelling as a way to bring people together to create more meaningful lives and be a part of a more equitable and and livable future. Welcome to the show, Winona. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be
1: here. It took us a few times to schedule, but thanks for your
0: patience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you. I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action working um, in the local area and with a family-focused organization. So what planted the seed for you yourself to want to take some kind of earth-friendly action initially in your life?
1: Well, I've always, my whole life, I've been a lover of the outdoors and very engaged with you know, wanting to do my part to have a clean environment, but it was really that 2018 IPCC report or the reporting on the report um, that activated me to become really involved with climate. Um, I just realizing and internalizing kind of the urgency of the issue and w- realizing that my family's future and every family family's future uh, was at stake. And so I wanted, I considered for a while what to be involved with, what was calling me, and I just really felt like reaching out and using the family lens um, to call for action and also raise awareness uh, felt, felt important.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I'd say there's really probably not that much going on in that realm, which just makes it all the more needed. Um, So tell us about Families for a Livable Climate and how it came about and maybe some of the work that you're doing now.
1: Sure, well, um, I started it, sort of founded the organization on my own in the spring of 2019, um, and then slowly began to connect with other parents who had become more activated,
0: really out of the IPCC report. We need to uh, define the IPCC.
1: Yes, the IPCC is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and it is comprised of thousands of scientists from around the world who work as part of different working groups to research different aspects of our changing climate. And so the report I'm referring to is very specific. It was the 1.5 degree report and essentially outlined the difference between keeping the planetary warming to 1.5 degrees um, versus other scenarios and just how critical that is, that that is really all the warming we want to see to stay in a a relatively safe zone, although we know, of course, we're already one degree warmer and It's not very safe for many families, and certainly hasn't been for families in the mm-hmm. global South for the last couple decades. It's been mm-hmm. worsening there. and now we're really seeing the impacts here in the north. Uh, I Again, I think can think of so many examples from the past two years of families being disrupted and um, harmed by climate impacts. So And we just started organizing around clean energy in Montana and joining forces with Montana350.org. And then, you know, we participated in that fall of 2019 in the first global climate strike that Greta Thunberg led um, internationally, and also just began to look at how we could engage more parents. And as we headed into 2020, of course, COVID was on the was on the distant horizon and then in full force by March. So we really moved to online engagement for most of the last two years. Um, During the summer, we've done in-person things, but it's been challenging to say the least. Uh, So we focus on -on one-on-one organizing, meaning we talk with individually with other parents and caregivers about their concerns and where they see a need for action and how they might get involved. We do events kind of big tent events meant to brought, bring in people um, who might not be engaged at all yet, but might be of interest to them. And then also smaller events, smaller workshops that try to give family skills for making a difference. One great example is our workshop called Decarbonize Your Money. And it's an hour-long workshop that we've done three times now. And it's essentially with a couple of financial advisors who just answer questions, give a short presentation and answer questions about how to divest your IRA and other money from fossil fuels, like 100% divest, and, and how that can work in your favor, both financially and for other reasons <laughs> uh, for, your, for our future. And in fact, I just spoke with the, one of our main facilitators of that event the other day. And as a result of those three events, To his knowledge, $1.5 million have been moved out of fossil fuels by by families, Montana families, who've engaged with him. So that has been a really um, successful workshop to help people who have the resources to really make a big difference. We're really interested in helping people be able to have conversations about climate across differences. That's been one of our main focuses and give people tools to do that. So we hosted a talk with Dr. Catherine Hayhoe last spring, um, almost a year ago, in April of 2021. And then February 3rd, coming up in two weeks, I guess, we are having a Climate Conversations Across Differences panel, which features three panelists who have, who have um, who are in different kind of capacities and have worked in different capacities in the climate realm, but have spent a lot of time talking to people who might not at least on the surface, agree with solutions or even that there's a problem. So that should be a really engaging discussion. Um, So those are some examples of what we do. And then we're, you know, we're really interested in just any opportunity to shift the conversation. So we're also going to be hosting, you know, we've done a lot of movie screenings and discussions. We're going to be hosting a discussion group around Catherine Hayhoe's new book, Saving Us, probably sometime in March. So, we're just interested in getting people talking more about climate engaged or leading in their own capacity. Um, maybe they join our group, maybe they join another group. It really it it that's not our central focus. It's not to grow our membership. it's really to just get families engaged and find a place that they can plug in
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I was reading on your website that you welcome people to sign up for informative presentations and workshops, which you think you've already been explaining a little bit, but for local groups in the community, can you tell us a little bit about how you mentioned kind of uh, bridging the divide or maybe people that initially feel like they're on another side and to kind of bring them together and help them to understand kind of where we're all in this together?
1: Sure. Well, yeah, I hear kind of two pieces to that. We provide facilitation of small group conversations for for groups that are interested. They can reach us, and then um, we can set that up. Whether it's a group of friends who want to have a conversation, or you know, a workplace, organization, business, a faith community, where we can provide facilitated conversations about kind of basic a basic climate conversation, where we would just do a brief presentation on the situation we're in, Montana impacts, um, and how to engage, uh, our opportunities for engagement, basically to help people feel empowered. We hear so often that folks say, I'm really concerned. I, I feel the urgency, but I don't feel like I have the agency to make a difference. And so we try to bridge that gap the best we can. And then we also have several members who are climate cafe facilitators. And a climate cafe is not something we started. That's Mm a believe even it's a national for sure, if not international, kind of model of having a climate conversation that is um without not without purpose. The purpose is to share our feelings around what's happening and to listen and to be heard. Um those meet those conversations don't have an action component. There's not any problem solving necessarily. It's just to give space to you know, grief or anger or fear or hope, um, all the feelings that go along with what's happening. And, and so, yes, we offer, you know, just um, facilitation of those different kinds of conversations. And I think in terms of reaching out across differences, you know, we have done some of that at a really small scale so far. Um, we are hoping that as we head into the spring of 2022 and potentially have more relief from COVID, we're all hoping, right, that we will be able to do more outreach. I'm planning about 20 community visits right now across the state, where I'll meet with partners, stakeholders, uh, parent and caregiver stakeholders, individuals, uh, allies, um, non-allies who are willing to meet, (laughs) and just have conversations, you know, about the state of impacts in Montana and and solutions. And also just really listen. My goal or our goal as an organization is how do we reach families effectively, caregivers and families effectively um, to open doors and windows of connection, but, you know, between our organization, but also just between people, right? I think we've all been so focused on science and policy Mm -hmm. And all those things are, I mean, that is super important work and is very important that we lift it up. But I think, you know, given the state of things, the gridlock in DC, for example, the um, inflammatory speech that's being thrown around across differences right now, I think we could all safely say that we're not doing a super good job of being neighbors and communities Mm -hmm. together. And I think figuring out how to be better neighbors and hold space for difference and tolerate difference and just be able to have civil conversations about things is a practice that we all could work on. And so we're really trying to think about how to look to leaders in that area in the climate realm. Dr. Catherine Hayhoe is one leader in that area who informs a lot of our work and approach. I can give a couple of examples of conversations across difference if that would be helpful. Sure. That I've had personally Two examples are, one was I was, we were demonstrating at our local county courthouse uh, and a woman came up to me and said, well, I work in the courthouse. I want you to know I work in the courthouse and normally I go in that door. And she pointed to a door that was a good hundred feet away (laughs) on the other side of the building. And she said, normally I go in that door, but today I decided to walk around because I wanted to ask you why you're here. And I've never talked to a protester before. And I said, well, I'm so glad that you came. Like, we're courageous enough to come talk to me. And I just, you know, I'm not a protester. I'm a mom who's worried about her kids' future. And her face just transformed. And she said, so am I. And I said, yeah, I know. And we like, we proceeded to have this 20-minute conversation where it was clear that we didn't agree at least in that moment, on solutions, but that we both had the same concerns. And at the end of it, this is pre-COVID, we hugged. And I just said, I'm so happy we talked. And she said, I am so happy we talked. And we just had this, like, so we both left with a really positive sense of the other person. Mm -hmm. We made a connection. If I saw her again, we could have another conversation, right? And that's always my goal is, like, to have every conversation lead to another conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm not successful all the time, but it's definitely a goal. Another story is uh, a person in my neighborhood who uh, he and his wife are really on the surface might seem to hold very different values and political spaces than my family, but we talk all the time and we have developed a trusting relationship where uh, we rely on each other as neighbors if we need help, if we need to borrow a cup of sugar. If we're gonna go out of town and need someone to keep an eye on things, we call on each other. There's a high level of trust. And he and his wife both read all of my climate op-eds in the paper now. Nice. And before that was not something that was on their radar. Okay. And so we have conversations now from time to time about climate. I don't know that I'm changing you know, their point of view holistically, but we're having civil conversations talking about changes that need to happen and exploring from time to time some of the solutions that resonate for both of us. And I would say that that is a win and that we need to empower as many people as possible to have those conversations.
0: Yeah, in a time when we're, it appears we're so divided, it feels like we're more divided by corporations and propaganda and political parties and things that really aren't local. What do you wish more people knew about your organization Or about the movement, and what are some of the people and events um, like? What are some things that maybe initially somebody sees climate organization, they might think something? What would you like them to think about and know about your organization?
1: Um, I think that all families are welcome uh, in our organization to come and interact and reach out. Uh, I would like them to know that we're here as a source of support whether it's just like hey i'm distressed about this um, and we're not therapists i don't mean supporting them that manner, but you know i'm distressed about what's happening and i feel alone and i could just say like there's a large there are large groups of parents and caregivers who are working on this problem and feel the same and that we don't have to be alone with with that feeling or feel separated and just that there are a lot of ways to lead and get involved And that you don't have to be perfect. Like none of us are perfect. We're. uh, It's an urgent situation. We really need everyone with the resources to do so to get involved. And there are a lot of ways to be involved. And we need to go beyond recycling and our our personal obsessions with personal responsibility because that's while that it can alleviate our feelings of anxiety, it's also a bit of a distraction from working on broader system change. So. I think we just hope people will reach out and connect. This year, we just started a new um, monthly offering, and it's just a welcome call for new parents and caregivers who want to get involved. And those are usually, um, well, usually we've had one. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, that's going to be a small group conversation, anywhere from three to 10 people. And we'll have some of the parents who are already, and caregivers who are already engaged on the call beyond just me, to kind of hear the concerns of the newly engaged or at least new new to us, <laughs> um, engaged parents and caregivers. Um, you know, just listen to their concerns, their interests for action, their questions. And it may be that they want to get involved with some of our events or activities, or they might want to just connect with another group that resonates more for what, you know, their capacity or their skill set, or they may want to lead in their own area. I mean, I think there's, there's so much to be done. Each of us can just pick one thing and
0: get started. What do you, what are some of the things that you are suggesting for either your group or families to participate in for action that's most effective?
1: Sure. Yeah. We actually have published a check or not a checklist, but like eight ways families can get involved. We also have a guide to getting involved. I can share those links with you. But essentially, of course, this is dependent on resources and access to time and money. Not everyone has equal access, of course, so we have to acknowledge that really strongly. I would say if you have no time or very little time, one thing you can do every week for 10 minutes is just to call our leaders in D.C. and also in the state and just either about a specific Um, or maybe piece of legislation, like for example, right now at the federal level, the Build Back Better bill is still in play, and we really need strong climate provisions in that bill. Um, That would be very helpful to support local efforts and um, jobs and resources. Um, So making calls for 10 minutes a week is a great way to get involved if you have no time. If you have no time and you have financial means, I would say donate. Find an organization that resonates with your values or, you know, what you're interested in and give them money because that is very helpful to any organization. And then I would say, you know, kind of next level would be to volunteer. If you have, you know, an hour a month, you could volunteer at an organization. And then other things for families, again, with resources and um, access to do so, looking at your kind of big areas of emissions, not obsessing about plastic recycling. I mean, if you want to, that's okay. It's it's you know it's good to think about these things, but consider um, moving to renewable energy and for your home, going solar, for example. Um, divest your IRA and your savings and your banking from fossil fuels. Find a credit union or bank that shares your values. Move your financial accounts there. And learn about divesting your investments from fossil fuels. We have a great webinar, recorded webinar on our site from um, last fall, and we'll do another one this year as well. And that's been really successful, I think, because I think most people just feel nervous about it because they've heard from their own financial advisor that they're going to lose money or it's it's not wise. And really, I mean, there's no guarantees, but... Um, many people have found out the opposite to be true. So I think it's about getting confidence in community to make that move. So divesting your money from fossil fuels is another really big impact families who have the resources can make. Um, And then just looking at your transportation, moving to an electric vehicle, if that's financially possible for you, um, or just, you know, seeing where you can, you know, make a difference or cut things. I think one thing I would really emphasize is not to feel a huge amount of guilt or shame about being part of a system that you had no part in creating really. Like we're all, if the system is way bigger than any of us and shame and guilt, just get in the way of action. And so that would be another important piece I would share. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: I feel like I'm missing a few things, but I'll send the links to you and you can, can share them. Sure.
0: So what I'm hearing is like glee and power of our dollars, where we're spending them, working on energy. And so in terms of our children and let's say maybe the ecological footprint, do you focus on that at all? Or maybe ways that we can lighten our footprint in building biodiversity and things of that sort as well?
1: We don't focus so much on like the so called like carbon individual carbon footprint. There's so many resources for that, and it's a little bit of a thorn in my side since it was something that was promoted by the fossil fuel industry to distract us, to keep us obsessed with our own, you know, kind of self help. Like, what can I do? Which is like good and bad. Um, there's I mean, it's certainly part of our solution, so I'm not. Saying it's a bad thing, it's just there's just so many resources out there. We focus more at how to help families connect in those actions to systems change. So getting involved with um, policy decisions by voicing, you know, their opinions to their um, lawmakers is an important piece. Donating time or money is an important piece for those with resources to do so. Another piece that I didn't mention that is really central to what we do is just talking about it. 72 plus percent of Americans realize it's an issue and like only 35 percent of people talk about it regularly. So there's a lot of silence. And, you know, look at our last election no matter what side you were on, it's all anybody talked about, right? And look at the mobilization of voters, right? People turned out. So we're facing this massive challenge to our civilization and to our families. And we're not talking about it. And there's a lot of reasons that are very understandable for that. Right. Um, but I think, you know, reading Catherine Hayhoe's book or watching her 15 minute talk online or the talk we recorded with her or coming to our climate conversations across differences event February 3rd or any other way entry point into it you know finding skills to talk to people who differ from you and essentially it's you know enter the conversation talking about something you both care about shared values trying to make it relevant to them meaning a local impact and and highlighting you know I love skiing our snowpack is going away here in Montana. I'm really worried about that for my kids and for me because I love it. And that's, you know, starting there and then just being committed to having another conversation. So avoiding inflammatory language and just realizing you need them. We yeah. need each other to get through this. Um doesn't mean we have to agree with everything the person stands for or says, but um we need to try and work and try to find common ground.
0: Gotcha what might be one of the challenges that you face with this type of work and how are you working through it
1: i think i challenges can be just feeling like you're not doing enough i you know given how enormous it is but i've come to you know i go through cycles with that <laughs> <laughs> i think the most important thing is that everyone you know or at least for me i if i'm not healthy and rested and taking care of myself I'm not being part of the solution, like being harried, exhausted and angry and tired is not part of creating a positive future. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think just focusing on, you know, that our, our own health, like taking care of ourselves is just central to making the future we want. It's not always easy to practice. Um, Um, lately I've been saying we just need to celebrate our insignificance (laughs) we have a love power when we come together but you know we can only do our little part and and that's okay because that's the reality of it um but yet when we all are working towards the same goal in different ways we can accomplish a lot
0: nice nice so what are some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work and all that you're doing Oh my gosh, I just love talking with people who
1: think that I'm going to not, like, I mean, certainly there's people who are, you know, maybe climate deniers. I mean, although those people are, it's very few and far between at this point. Um, But I love talking with people who, you know, are quote unquote different from me. And I love connecting and finding common ground. And that just really brings me joy because I think we all have more in common with each other than not. And, you know, sharing some, coffee. I don't know, I was raised by my grandparents. So I just, I'm like, let's have a cup of coffee, visit and find where we connect and, um, and come back together again, and have another conversation. It really brings me joy. Nice. And I wasn't always good at that. And I'm sure I'm not always good at it now, but it makes me happy to practice that. And then
0: when those connections happen, it brings me just a lot of joy and hope. Did you find as a person that you developed more of a side of yourself to put yourself out there. So is that something that came to you naturally, the ability to put yourself out there? Or do you feel like you went through a process to get to that point where you were able to do that?
1: Yeah, I pretty much am a full on introvert, like most of the time. <laughs> it's my natural state state. So no, it is has been a big it's been a journey to speak out publicly and and just take on this role has been a real journey. And it's an ongoing journey I have. And I have to just make sure I I do take that downtime to recharge. So that's, that's been a challenge, but also it's been an area of growth for sure.
0: So if um if your ideas and your experience and your wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to people that um, might also want to start an organization like this in their own local area?
1: Go for it. <laughs> um, that's a really that's a huge. There's a lot of pieces in there. I would just say working from love and connection is a great place to start. And it's not to say there aren't other approaches uh, or other pieces that are needed, but if you want to start a group like this, I think that's a good starting place.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, So if you um, recommend maybe a source of a book, podcast, film, or video that has been particularly impactful in your work that you're doing, what would, uh, what might be that? That book be. I think you mentioned Dr. Um, Dr. Catherine Hayhoe's
1: book. The book is called "Saving Us," and it just came out this fall. So, but I've been following her work since the beginning of our work. Um, she has a very good TED Talk. Um, you can Google her and TED Talk, and it's it's short and very good. And it's about the first step to you know dealing with cli- climate change is talking about it and. kind of lays out the reasons why, and her new book goes into detail on that. I also read early on, I believe the author's name is Tom Hartman, and the book is The um, Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight, and it's uh, maybe not a go-to book, maybe not a place to start for everybody, but um, I think Saving Us is probably an easier entry point, Um, but that book was kind of instrumental in my thinking around the book ends in a very hopeful manner and just focuses on healing the human family and that that's where kind of my our community focus came from instead of like we're not I mean environment is of utmost concern to us but we're, we don't consider ourselves an environmental group or a community group and it's really about building community as a way towards climate action as opposed to focusing on the policy or other things you know those all being very important and we certainly support those things and just through different actions but yeah so I felt I mean there's so much good reading out there um I love Catherine Hayhoe though for the the entry point for like having conversations and, and speaking up I think it can give people a lot of confidence and um A way to approach it that's not divisive.
0: Um, So, if people would like to contact you and maybe learn more about your local events um, or connect with you more broadly in the work, um, how would you like them to contact you?
1: Um, They can reach out through our website, livableclimate.org. We also have a story site that's just Montana Climate Stories. Uh, It's called MontanaClimateStories.org, but it's MtClimateStories.org. So, yeah, I think our website is the best way. Um, my contacts we have a contact form uh, and I think my email is on there and even my phone number so
0: so do you also work from the um, from the standpoint of like building your local community or is it more like from the larger like city state and federal level
1: yeah we would certainly do a lot in our local community we're based in Missoula Um, we are focused on Um, we're aspirationally statewide in Montana, but that is going to, you know, that's a long road towards achieving that. Um, This year, we're really focused on like doing community visits and making connections across Western Montana and a little bit into Central Montana. And one of the ways we're doing that is we have a magazine called the Changing Times, which is um, an intergenerational seasonal uh, publication that looks, it's just people responding to the Changing Times and what's happening. It's essays, art, poems from people, Montanans of all ages uh, participate. And um, it's now being distributed in I think 17 communities in Western Montana, in Western Montana. And so we're definitely hoping to visit those communities in particular um, in the coming months and um, meet some of the people and listen about and collect more stories. So yeah, that's that's our focus, and then we partner extensively with other statewide groups, local groups, and then also groups that have state chapters, like Moms Clean Air Force, Montana, um, but are like have a federal focus. So we might partner with them on certain certain efforts.
0: Well, thank you so much for all you're yeah. doing, um, just on behalf of your local area, but just on behalf of families and being an inspiration to to other families that might want to consider jumping aboard
1: yeah well thank you for um helping us highlight our work and and taking time to have this conversation it was really a pleasure
0: if you haven't yet visited your local green online hub then please visit gogreenlocally.org and check out the directories for events groups businesses online resources and local support listings for your area If you find something is missing, then let us know or just log in and add it. These are community-free sharing directories.